3: Hello and welcome to Total Saints Podcast, with a dedicated weekly podcast that goes to the heart of all things Saints FC, and we're very grateful to you for listening. I'm Ben Stanfield, at Ben Stanners on Twitter, and as ever I'm joined by my two trusted aides, Adam Leach, the Chief Sports Writer from the Daily Echo at Adam Leach Sport, and Steve Grant, owner of saintsweb.co.uk, at Steve Grant 1983 This is actually our final podcast for this season, 2018-2019, but it should hopefully be a cracker. We will reflect on the last home game of the season versus Huddersfield and we'll also confirm the winner of both our Total Saints podcast Fantasy Premier League and TSP Prediction League. Alongside that, to end our season in style, we're really proud and grateful to have an exclusive interview with Saints boss Ralph Hasenhutl as he talks about yesterday, today and tomorrow. As well as giving TSP some of his time, Ralph also signed some Saint souvenirs for us, which we'll be giving away live in the podcast later, with three of our TSP patrons via patreon.com slash totalsaintspod, picking up the treasured items, so keep your ears open if you're one of our TSP patrons. Speaking of patrons, a big thank you and shout out to Stuart Whitman, who signed up as a patron in the last couple of days as well. Appreciate it and your message very much due, So for the last time this season, let's get on with Total Saints Podcast, partnered with saintsworld.co.uk and saintsarchive.com and sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk, This is TSP76. I'd really love a hot tub, but I don't know where to
0: start. How easy is the process? It's
3: as easy as one, two, three.
0: Who are you? I'm the man who puts happy people in hot tubs. One, choose your hot tub at Happy Hot Tubs. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose how you want to pay. With 0% finance available on selected tubs, we even accept American Express. You deserve happy. And at Happy Hot Tubs, it's as easy as one, two, three. Happy Hot Tubs.
3: Saints' last game of the season ended with a 1-1 draw against Huddersfield as Ralph Hasenhutl's side signed off the season in 16th position. Having uh, remained level-headed throughout the season, I think the three of us were certainly not going to get too carried away now, but it did have a a sort of feel of uh, end of season, nothing to play for about it, I thought. It
2: definitely did. It's a real shame that the season has kind of finished like this, because I know that Ralph wanted a real sense of momentum to take into the summer. You look at how the season has finished. It's it's finished really quite disappointingly. I mean, it's a bit of a sandwich in some ways when you look at the the season, and that you've got that first part of the season that was kind of really awful in terms of couldn't get any results. Ralph comes in and in in the sort of middle part of the season, uh, if you like, they they picked up all these wins, fantastic form, like one of the form teams in the country, mm. beating Tottenham, beating Arsenal, fantastic, and then. No sooner have we gone, well, they've got all of the big guns out of the way. Now the running, it's like, oh, they they don't win a game. I mean, that's five points out of 21 to finish the season um, with only one big six team in that and five games in a row at the end with without a victory, which is a real shame because Mm. it just obviously has cost them some money. In that they could have got a bit further up the table had they been a bit better in the last few weeks, um, which obviously would have, given the way the club works, have meant more money to invest into the playing squad in the summer. So we don't have, you know, they might be down two, four, six million pounds potentially on yep. uh, on bringing a player in, which is significant. Yep. Um, and also just that feeling that it drifted off, and I think Ralph was um, after Huddersfield, he was angry, mm, mm. he was angry with what he saw and i actually think um reading between the lines of what he said that there because we, we said a couple of weeks ago there were a few players that maybe he was a bit unsure of that he'd kind of maybe had worked their way into his plans i actually think from the way he spoke there's a few of them that have worked their way out of his plans from the yeah. way they've performed in the last month or so because yes they weren't mathematically safe um until very recently as we know but They were virtually safe. And from that point where we've known that they were basically going to stay up, uh, the results have been have been crap, frankly. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. and that is not what he wants. And obviously, uh, even though I know he said about the 40 point target for next year, I don't think he wants the players to to get to that stage like we've perhaps seen the likes of Bournemouth do where you get to 40 points and then you pack up. And, you know, if you have a great start to the season, you pack up in February, basically. Mm. Um, he's not going to want that. And so he's going to be very demanding. And I think maybe the attitude of the way it's gone the last few weeks, uh, typified by, you know, only getting a one-all draw against an absolutely rubbish Huddersfield team yep. uh, on the final day. I think there's a few players there who maybe are going to be in for a bit of a rude shock now for yeah. because he was not happy. He was... You know, given that he'd given it the big one, he was obviously really excited about the last days. Really excited about celebrating with the fans after the game on the on the lap of appreciation. He looked downbeat. He, he did, wasn't. Yep. He wasn't happy. He came in the press conference and he was angry. Yeah. Really angry. Yeah. And I don't think that's what he wanted to sign off for the summer. And he said, "I've got a very clear picture now, mm. and I've got a very clear picture after the last few weeks since we've been safe on a few people now." Yeah. Um. So I think it was interesting, uh, an interesting little marker for the summer. And I, I, I think there's a few players there that maybe have slacked off that
3: I think might regret it. Mm. You look at the stats of the game, Steve. I know you're one of those people that doesn't always like to sort of just look at stats, but one-all score, ten shots each, both had three on shots on target. We had four corners, they had three. We had 54% possession, they had 46 possession. So pretty much everything stats-wise said that the result was fair. I know we huffed and puffed quite a lot in the first half, but I have to say, standing there, as soon as it went one-all, everyone kind of you could tell it was just going to fizzle out to that one-all draw, and it probably was a fair result, which, um, as Adam said, is very disappointing from a Saints point of view.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if we'd been three up at half-time, I don't think anybody would have been would have batted an eyelid because mm. we were head and shoulders above them, and it was just a case of when we were going to score rather than if. And it was slightly surprising that it kind of took a moment of magic from Redmond to, to break the deadlock because we had been so dominant yeah. in that first half. But, yeah, I mean, after, after the break, it was just bitty. At times, it was played at testimonial pace. Yeah. Obviously, Franny Benali was there and talking about his um, monumental effort in the last week or so. Yeah. You could have named him in the team and he'd have probably uh, looked more sort of up for the game than, than most of the players on both sides.
3: Yeah, I know you mentioned there Redmond's goal. We'll talk about that in a minute. And it was kind of the game almost sort of swung, I felt, on that. Just what was it, one or two minutes after half time, when Prousey had that shot, the keeper made a great save, tipped it onto the bar. And then kind of after that, I think if that had gone in, you could have seen Saints cruising to, to victory. But it was almost like that was the turning point, I felt. I think they thought, Well, that's fine, we'll we'll have another pot shot at some point in in the next few minutes
1: and mm. it didn't really work out that way. I mean I'm not quite sure why. I don't I don't think anybody had a particularly bad game. No just a kind of collective malaise. I mean, there was nothing really going on in the stands either. Like Huddersfield fans were relatively quiet, I thought. Yeah. Our fans were, were quiet because there was nothing really going on. Everyone seemed to seemed to be more distracted by what was going on at Brighton and Liverpool. And that sort of lack of atmosphere does, I, I suspect, feed down for the players. Even, even though they're kind of tuned to not really pay too much attention to it, yeah. you'll always sort of subconsciously get a feel of when nobody really gives a toss.
3: Mm. Focusing on the positives then, Adam, as we always like to do, another goal for the uh, official Saints player of the season and the Daily Echo player of the season as well, Nathan Redmond. And as Steve said there, a a stunning strike from a player who, you know, certainly first half, was a a regular thorn in Huddersfield's side.
2: I was really pleased for him to sign off in such a great way because though we're talking about the team signing off disappointingly, he's one player who, as we've, we've spoken about, has been consistent uh, throughout the entire season and a deserved winner of the all the big awards uh, over the last couple of weeks. and um, Yeah, so for him to go uh, and finish it off in front of the fans and, you know, be a bit of a hero worship for him mm. was, I think, well-deserved. And um, it was a great goal. It was another reminder of what he's got in his locker. And I spoke to Ralph uh, before the game a lot about Nathan Redmond for some stuff that's in the Echo uh, this week. And, you know, he talked about how he's tried to improve him, which Mm -hmm. was interesting in terms of his work rate mainly um, and trying to be defensively better because that was getting him more opportunities further up the pitch. And then kind of what he's got to work on. But basically saying that he is one of a handful of players there that he is going to build a team around him. He he name checked him and Pierre Mm -hmm. Hoiberg and then said there's a couple of others. But basically, these are the few players that I've got here that the players that I bring in the systems that I work on are being based around these guys. This is the future under my management, and yeah well deserved, but that's a huge Philip for Redmond as
3: well, given where he was. Uh, if we wound back 12 months from where we are now. Yeah, and six Premier League goals for him now, Adam, as well, since Hazenhutel came in. And uh, Glenn and Steve and myself, were talking about that in the pod that we did on uh, Saturday that came out over the weekend. But the goals are coming the second half of the season. But as we mentioned before, he has been consistently good. And, you know, that will give him confidence. You know, it was great at the uh, player's lap getting a, a good shout out from the crowd and uh, was applauding back. And he's been through a lot. And I think, you, you know, it's, I think all of us are probably proud of how he's dealt with that. He's just got his head down. And, you know, we spoke about it at the Sea City Museum last year what 18 months ago how depressed and downbeat he was so it's really been a sort of total turnaround in his fortunes really hasn't it
2: yeah and it's always lovely to see somebody who who turns it around we all love somebody who does the big turnaround and i can't think of such a big turnaround at saints since kelvin davis Mm. i remember very well kelvin coming in when george burley was manager um he'd obviously just got relegated with sunderland in that absolutely unbelievably terrible season where they shipped all those goals, uh, you know there was just conceding about five every week, weren't they? And yep. he was in goal for that. He arrived into Saints definitely still suffering some sh- uh, shell shock from that, mm. but it was pretty obvious, especially as I watched him train a lot. He was a very good goalkeeper, and he would be a good goalkeeper for Saints. Yep. But he had that that terrible misfortune of making two really horrendous errors at home. Uh, in front of the Saints fans in the first few months
1: that he was there. And I
2: remember really wasn't that vividly, Wasn't
1: that QPR one on his 30th birthday or something like that? It was something like that, it yeah. It was just Jones. horrible,
2: wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, uh, I remember like writing stuff, defending him, and getting just absolute vitriol on email, just <laughs> total dog's abuse. And he was getting the same when he was playing. And of course wind forward four or five years, and he's the club legend, everybody loves him, nobody ever had a bird word to say about him, apparently. (laughs) But, you know, that's a big turnaround. To get to the point where the fans are, you know, especially Saints fans, who are a pretty mild bunch most of the time, I think, are are actually actively booing their own players, you know, targeting individuals, not just the team, to then get to the stage where they're cheering you, you've got to show some character because all these guys have got some level of ability, but, you know, some of what separates... The, the best from the rest is, is sort of what's in between your ears and to face that adversity and to come back and to you know stare it in the eye and thrive um, especially when you 're in those individual positions like Kelvin was as a goalkeeper you're under the spotlight um as a as a goalkeeper out there on your own really in a team game at Redmond as well is in one of those positions because you know you're in the position there where basically your manager's telling you get the ball and run at somebody, and you know how hard it is to run past somebody to actually get around somebody to get a good ball in the box so then or to deliver a goal yourself that's a really hard thing to do and of course if every time you run at somebody they get the ball and all you is oh god oh he's giving it away again (laughs) to get it again and go again it's very different than if you're a defender and you could just like make another tackle you can throw yourself in the way of a shot or something so it takes a bit of courage and a bit of bravery and he came back uh, when others might have just skulked away and you know, counted their money and thought, sod these lot who are booing me. I don't you know, gonna my own fans are going to boo me. Why should I bother mm. um, when I'm getting all this money? But that's not how he how he took it. And, you know, fair play to him. He's, he's getting his rewards now with a terrific season and a great way
3: to sign off. That was a beautiful and seamless link, Adam, between Nathan and Calvin Davis and goalkeeping, because it's going to lead me on nicely now to... Uh, Angus Gunn Steve Um, not to dwell on it too much goalkeepers are renowned for making mistakes we spoke about Angus Gunn a couple of weeks ago Adam was uh, obviously uh, critiquing his performance against Bournemouth but another sort of typical and disappointing and avoidable goal for Saints to give away I said in my prediction last week that I couldn't see us keeping a clean sheet because we always have a, a howler in us um, it wasn't a, a great moment for Angus Gunn as he was obviously a little too long taking his clearance and then closed down by Pritchard who uh, put the ball in the back of the net and uh, I sort of tweeted after the game Steve it kind of summed up the Haas and to a certain extent we were talking about it at the weekend the fact that his uh, career with Saints started with that individual error by Vestergaard. down at Cardiff the season ended with an individual error by Angus Gunn so frustrating and disappointing
1: yeah I mean it was just dozy I mean the pass across to him from Bertrand I think was fine all he had to do was was get the ball clear and Mm. I can only assume that he just didn't see Pritchard coming yeah um sort of of out of his peripheral vision and it kind of goes a little bit back to the sort of atmosphere thing. There was there wasn't that sort of panicky shout of "Oh man on!" Yeah, yeah. Um, that you would usually get from the crowd when when someone's uh, closing you down and you, and you can tell that the player hasn't seen it. Mm. Everyone was kind of off in their own little world, and yep. uh, and he obviously didn't get a shout from any of his teammates. Yeah, I mean he's he's obviously taken too long and. As soon as there's that split second where he realises, oh, crap, I've screwed up here. Mm. Um, it's then a case of, OK, am I going to give away a goal here or am I going to get myself sent off? Yeah. And I mean, giving away the goal is, is, the obvious way
3: for that to end, I think. Just finally then, Glenn was obviously quite adamant that he thinks Alex McCarthy is the uh, best Saints goalkeeper at the, at the club at the moment. I know Adam's spoken about the fact that Ralph likes Forster. We all sort of think Angus Gunn is the future. Defensively, Ralph will need to look at things over the, the summer anyway. But in terms of goalkeeping, do you think there's enough there for Ralph going forward into the, the season? Or do you think the performances of three of them this season are maybe making him sort of think, well, maybe goalkeeping is something I need to look at in the summer as well?
1: Well, I think if he had unlimited money, then he might look elsewhere. Mm. Um, but given the obvious holes elsewhere in the squad, I think that'll be a very low priority.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, I think we've got three goalkeepers who on their day have proven themselves to be very able. Mm. There seems to be some sort of issue with Forster whereby he goes on the pitch and he, it just doesn't happen for him at the moment. And yeah. that's unfortunate because obviously he was excellent, what, three, four years ago. Yeah, But um, I think realistically one of those three is probably going to go because you're essentially paying four first-team goalkeeper wages here. Yeah, Gunn is the most recent through the door and costs big money. Forster is, by the sounds of it, the top earner, mm. or believed to be the top earner. And from what we gather, we've we've obviously tried to shift him on in the last year to 18 months and haven't succeeded. So realistically, we're not going to be able to get rid of him. Yeah. So therefore, that leaves Alex McCarthy. Yeah. And so therefore, I think we're probably going to be getting rid of him. I can't imagine he's overly impressed with... Having got player of the year this time last year, to now find himself warming the bench, I think he'd be open to a move elsewhere. And if we can get reasonable money for him, get him off the wage bill, then, yeah, I, I would I would expect that to be uh, that to be a fairly sort of amicable parting of the ways there. Yeah,
2: and I think the the key word in all that, Steve, is priorities. I think yeah. this is going to yeah. be a summer of priorities because I, I listen to. The last podcast, obviously, you guys did, and I know there was a lot of talk about the centre half. And I was when I was listening, I was thinking to myself, um, yeah, I can I can make a, a strong case for for them needing to sign uh, a new centre half. But again, it, it's all going to fall into that what is the priority? And that is partly going to depend on what they can get rid of, not only in the grand scheme of things, but in individual positions as well, because they go, and the point you're making with the goalkeepers is, right, when you've got all these senior goalkeepers on senior contracts, you obviously need to thin that out. And with the centre-half, they've got, when Wesley comes back, they've got five senior centre-halves on on senior contracts. Now, you wouldn't want to go with more centre-halves than that into a season. So, the centre-half slot you go yes we'd love another one yeah we might like an upgraded one on what we've got yeah that'll be great but they're not going to go into a season with six centre-halves on senior salaries knocking around at St Mary's so then it'll be a case of well if they can't get rid of one is that the priority or actually do we you know invest our resources elsewhere and so I think that those decisions in a a whole number of positions are going to be very um Interesting, So I think it's going to be a very fluid situation this summer. I I think they go into it with ideas and plans, but because of the financial pressures that they're under, because they're carrying a big wage bill, and especially when everybody comes back, they can't really add massively to what they've got until they get rid. So this is going to be the interesting conflict of the summer. Conflict's maybe a strong word, but sort of dilemma, in that Ralph's spoken already about wanting more quality – as you'd expect any manager to do. He's spoken already about wanting things done early, as you'd expect any manager to do. But I think the reality in the Saints boardroom and the reality financially is going to be we cannot take the financial risk of bringing in three or four big money signings until we know we're getting rid of some of this lot. So it might be it's a bit of a longer summer because to try and get rid of some of that, lot, as we've discussed at length, is going to be very, very difficult indeed. And maybe there's going to have to be some harsh compromises made um, between everybody uh, going into next season. And, and as much as we all want and hope for this Ralph revolution, as it were, which includes a, a major overhaul of the playing squad, it might be that that's very, very difficult to achieve. And where that leaves them going into next season will be very, very interesting. So I think that's kind of like for me at this stage, that's what I see is like this narrative for, for this summer coming up.
3: Yeah, just a couple of defenders that could defend would be good and a few clean sheets. But, uh, look, I, uh, I don't want to ruin the latter part of the uh, podcast, but there was certainly one broken heart in the stadium when uh, Angus Gunn made that balls up. But, uh, we'll come to that later. But, uh, look, just finally on Ralph then, Adam, as you, you kind of mentioned, he did look a pretty frustrated figure for most of the afternoon. Do you think the performances, you, you mentioned earlier about the fact that he's very clear now. I think in terms of the board and the club as well, realising what they have to do to now support Ralph with this overhaul, one way or another, however it's going to come about. Do you think the performance of the last sort of four or five games will actually have opened a few eyes? Because we spoke last season, didn't we, about the fact that that last game of the season against Man City, everyone was cheering and clapping and all that sort of thing. But actually, I think everyone's been a bit frustrated the last, you know, couple of weeks or so. And that might actually make the club realise, you know, this is now our chance to get behind the manager and push this club forward again. Yes, absolutely. And I think that the club are very much on board with that.
2: In fact, I think the other subplot to this summer that's interesting is, of course, this restructuring process, which they are going through um, as we speak, and which I, I think will come to you know a bit more of a conclusion within the next couple of weeks from what I hear in terms of actually knowing clearly who's in charge and, and what's going on. So Saints have had an interesting history of not quite getting the balance right between going all out to support a manager and not leaving themselves completely in hock to a manager. Mm. So like the, the, the holy grail of like the premier league management these days is that you would ideally have your manager be able to come and go, but the structure, you know, it doesn't affect everything. It doesn't completely destabilize everything when a manager leaves, whether they're sacked or whether they're uh, walking out for another club. So that's what people want. So they want this grand structure put in place where the manager is, you know, and I hate the, the I think it was was it Cortese who kind of described them as a department head, mm. uh, just another department head. Now, for me, the manager is always the most important person at the football club. But I do understand why, especially when the money's so big these days, football clubs don't want to leave themselves exposed to just the whims of one person. Yep. And they don't want to be held over a barrel by one person. And Saints, when I look back over my time covering them, I look back to Rupert Lowe, who kind of went down that road of trying to set this structure and think that, you know, it didn't almost not quite it didn't matter who the manager was, but, you know, it was kind of interchangeable. Um, then they've gone through periods where like with Kuman, where they felt like they invested a lot into the manager and then they got stung mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, even though I think it was more, as I've said before, it was more amicable parting of the ways in the end than I think was portrayed. But then they've gone with Puel, with Pellegrino, with Hughes. They've now come to the point with Ralph where they've got somebody here and they think this manager is fantastic. We've got to do everything we can for this manager. And I can tell you behind the scenes, there's a lot of things that have happened since Ralph's been there. They are delivering for him on everything they can. They're Mm -hmm. bending over backwards to give him everything that they can give him. Um, I can assure you of that because there's a lot of things that have happened there. Even I've raised eyebrows uh, and thought, blimey, I'm surprised that they've agreed to that. But that's what Ralph's wanted. So they are absolutely doing that. That's an interesting flip from that, though, because, of course, then you're putting yourself in hock to the manager. And if he then leaves and you set this whole structure up around what one guy wants, but it's not what anybody else would want. Then what happens? So these, getting that balance right is incredibly difficult. But the one thing that the club can't do when you talk about specifically what we're talking about here, which is the transfer market and backing the manager in, in that sense, is they cannot jeopardise the financial future of the football club yep. just to give him another signing or two. Yep. They can't carry a squad of 40 senior wages into next season they just cannot do that because that is putting the club at major jeopardy Mm. i'm sure that ralph is not going to pressure them to do that because i think ralph is sensible but all managers always generally want that one more player and you can always understand that so the club also have to be strong um even in the face of somebody who has an, an amazing position of power which ralph does given what he's done and you know to be reasonable which is why i think I say it's going to be a bit of a summer of compromise, I think, in some ways. And I think also it's going to be very important for everybody to try their best to remain patient. And I know that's easier said than done because there be there might be a lot of, hang on a minute, we've sold eight players now and we've, we haven't signed anybody. We've only bought one player in. But actually, you know what, it's, it's going to be a long process to sort this out. And it's also probably not something as much as we'd like that can be sorted out in one summer transfer window now. It's a long job given the players that they've bought who haven't worked out, given the contracts they've given. So I think it's just going to be a case of having to try and stay patient as well. But I think that the club are committed to delivering everything they can for Ralph. And actually, the question is probably going to be, will the setup they have, is that a good idea or not, to go that far into trying to please one guy? But financially, they can't take a risk.
3: Now last week, ahead of the Huddersfield game, Ralph Hasenhutel gave some of his valuable time to talk exclusively to myself and Total Saints podcast. Here's what he had to say. So Ralph, welcome to Total Saints podcast. It's an absolute privilege to speak to you, so thank you very much for your time. Um, You joined Southampton 5th of December last year, five months ago. It feels like a lot longer, I think, to all of us. Just summarising, reflecting on your thoughts of the last five months in charge of our club.
4: Yeah, it really seems longer uh, ago a lot of things happened so far and uh a lot of big games we we played so far and uh it was a very very intense first half year a very difficult one but uh also a a half year i I appreciated a lot i think um, it was um, fantastic to see how the team developed this this way and and i think um, it was important for us to to have a lot of wins together with the fans and i think we struggled uh, not really um, in one time. I think uh, against Cardiff at home this was a crucial game, but in the end I think it was also important that we took the the right decisions after this game and and in the end we had massive wins against Tottenham, against Arsenal and good games against a big team. But um, I think in the end um, yeah, we we are happy that we, we could do it. When you arrived, we had one win on the board, nine points
3: from 14 games. It had been quite a disappointing start under the uh, previous manager. I know you probably won't want to talk about individual players, but as team results and performances, I know you've just spoken about it in the press conference, but likewise, some of your sort of favourite memories and, and performances and results where you kind of thought, look, this team can stay up, where you know, that's a result that I look back on and think that was a pivotal moment.
4: I think the first important moment was the, the win against Arsenal. I think it was something like... A, a booster for us because it was a signal for the team that we can work in this way. We can act in this way and, uh, we create problems for the, also for the bigger teams. I think that was a very important signal for everybody. And in the end, I think, uh, a good start for, for a successful time. And, but, uh, also maybe, for example, there were the win in Leicester where we were one man down, uh, for, I think it was, it was 60 minutes, yeah, where yeah. we were one man down and, Scored in one, when one man down and, and, and then, uh, won this game. It was, it was, uh, an amazing mentality and the, and the team showed the first time a really good character. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this, this, this were the steps we, we had to take and, and it was okay.
3: As fans, it's been evident to us that you've absolutely thrown your heart and soul into managing our club and giving it 100%. Many top managers these days, you know, top leagues around Europe, it's easier for them to buy in players, talent that's almost finished, chuck them out on the pitch, give them some instructions. You've obviously done it the hard way with Southampton here. We've got rid of some of the players that maybe weren't keen to go along with the Ralph Way. We've developed the young players. We've given them a chance. From you as a, as a manager, how much has that sort of taken out of you in terms of, and I guess how rewarding has it been as well? Because we've kind of put a young group of players out here on the pitch that are representing Southampton, giving 100% every week, and you've kind of driven that?
4: Yeah, I I don't do this job alone. I think you have a good staff here, and and I think you are right that we 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 go for we we must develop those guys. We Mm -hmm. must make them better. We cannot say, okay, he cannot, he don't know how to react in this situation, this situation, so we take a new one. That's not our way. We we cannot do this because we don't have enough money for for, for going such a way. So it's without alternative, if you want, that we have to use the guys from the academy, that we have to to make them better, that we have to show them a lot of videos and work on their weaknesses. And uh, our coaches, they do a perfect job. Uh, We have here with with Danny Ruhl with the Flam, with with Calvin, uh, also Dave for the goalkeepers crossy. We have uh, five guys there working every day with them and try to make them better and um our video analysts uh are showing or t- cutting videos for them from their from the good things and from the bad things and I think um in, in the end if they follow this way and if they are open minded and if they are acrylic and if they like to train, then they have a Interesting future in this club. If not uh, then uh, it comes the next from the from the youth or maybe something like this in the summer Also from outside
3: from your point of view again I know it's been very intensive you obviously put your heart and soul into it as mentioned Have you had much time to kind of get away from football and switch off during the week? Or is it literally a 24-7 job throughout the season in this sort of situation?
4: It's literally not so many ta- so much time to to do something else, but um, the interesting thing is uh, that um, you don't want to do mm. anything else because in the moment it's, it's, I enjoy very much to work with this team, to work in this club and to spend time with my players, to spend time with my team. And it's a lot of things you, you're you working in and, and the first half year is the most forcing one because you have to make the biggest changes and also not for only one or two week or one month, but they must be continuously. Mm. And that means that you, you are here on Easter Sunday until... I don't know eight o'clock in the evening, but that's not really a work for me because I I like it very much and and uh, I, I get energy in a moment out of wins or or, or having good games or seeing them following our instructions on the on the pitch and 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 see the development of the game that gives me a lot of energy and uh, doesn't cost me energy. Yeah,
3: and how have you found adapting to life in England with you and your family in general, sort of you know coming into the club and the local area?
4: Absolutely fantastic. I like it very much here because. I think that people are so nice and so, so, so gentle. Um, it's really, uh, unbelievable how often they say thank you to me. Uh, and I only did my job, and it is, it's fantastic that they come and always apologize if they speak to me on the streets. And it's something I I didn't know in this way. And it's, it, it's, it's very gentle. And it, uh, I want to say thank you for, for all the love they gave us and for all the, the commitment they showed with us and that is, was very important for me and was very important for my team.
3: And in terms of the Premier League then, Ralph, obviously you're renowned as being someone that thrives on learning and developing as a coach and that sort of thing. How have you found working in the Premier League and the challenges that that's brought you and development that that's brought you?
4: Very demanding because um, it feels like you play in the Champions League. Yeah? You see now, if you look at the finals of the European uh, competitions, it's unbelievable eh? how strong the English teams are in a moment. So you have mainly 12 games a year where you play Champions League, yeah, if you want, uh, against the top six. And this is something special. No league has such a quality uh, and such a lot of teams they have this quality. And this is moment in moment, I think the secret of the success that this is so demanding. Even the clubs, they are under this top six. They have so many, so much quality. So hard to, to play against them. And it's for the managers, at the highest level you can imagine. And, this was exactly what I expected. This is, was exactly what I want to do. And now I'm happy that I get I the chance.
3: Just last couple of questions then. We're recording this ahead of the Huddersfield game, so we still need to finish this season off. But as, I guess as fans, we're already thinking ahead to how exciting next season can be for Ralph Hampton FC, so to speak. But, you know, in terms of you and looking ahead to next season, again, there's a lot of potential here at Southampton. We know that. So how excited are you by what this club could achieve next season under your leadership?
4: yeah we must be clear that we have to uh, find the right uh, players in summer well normally the right players also are on other uh, position to find the right decisions what we do in summer we need more expertise in this club and I want to bring a few guys here in they, they they help us to to get better and better. still a lot of things we can we can improve and we can do better and um, uh, if we want to make a step in the in the table, then we have to make first the right steps. That gives us a chance to develop a team in this way because you get, you get no presence in, in, in the Premier League. You have to work for every win, you have to work for every point. And if you don't do this and if you don't do it in the right way, then you have no chance to to Then you can dream about these positions, yeah. because maybe this club was one time there, but it also doesn't uh, exist uh, from one day to the next. Uh, it was a long work that built up uh, for becoming seven or eight in the league. And uh, it must be the goal for the future, sometimes it's for sure, but we have to make every step before.
3: Yeah. Just finally then, there's obviously Southampton fans all around the world, lots that will listen to the coverage of the club, they listen to the podcast, we're very grateful to them. What message would you give to Saints fans for their support? Not everyone can get to St Mary's, of course, but they followed you up and down the country, being very much behind you, I think, leading our team and that sort of thing. So just to finish, what message would you give to Saints fans for their support this season?
4: Um I want to give them the message that even if they are, if they are not here and even if they are not in the stadium, uh, that uh, they give us the power we need. Uh, We know that we are outside. A lot of fans are following us and we, we play for them. That is our motivation to, to, to show them good games. And that's, uh, they should feel that there is a team on the pitch that is doing everything to make them happy, to make them a good weekend. And this is our goal and that helps us. And the more they follow us, the, the moral power we have.
3: I obviously don't speak for every Southampton fan, Ralph, but I think the majority would back me up in just saying thank you for everything you've done this season. I think you've, as Adam Leach talks about a lot, you've unified our club and brought everyone back together and I know that you've taken a lot of time and effort to do that. So I think just on behalf of fans that are listening and probably I have the opportunity to speak to you, but just thank you for all you've done this season and good luck for next season.
4: I thank you for the support and uh, thank you for, for all the warm words.
2: podcast with Ben Stanfield, Adam Leach and Steve Grant, sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk.
3: A massive thanks again to Ralph for allowing us to speak to him and I must also thank those at the club who made it possible and also made me feel so welcome on the day. Right, to wrap up the season, a couple of exciting things to sort out now. Firstly, Ralph was incredibly generous in signing several items for us, a Saints home shirt, a Saints pennant, and also a Saints baseball cap. To show our thanks to you, TSP patrons out there, for all of your support towards us this season, three of you will win one of the items via a random giveaway right now, which Adam Leach, Chief Sports Writer at the Daily Echo and Raffle Man, is going to drive for us, Adam, so crack on. Yeah, so what I've done, Ben,
2: for this is I've got a list of all our patrons uh, of whom we're very, very grateful, because obviously you are the guys who and girls who have put your hands in your pockets to help support the pod um, and make it hopefully a success and helped us with the hosting fees with some technical stuff, and we all give our time up for free, obviously all of this is is with none of us get making any money out of this at all, but the support of the patrons has meant it hasn 't cost us money this season, which has been nice um, and very much appreciated, but there's also a little bit of leftover so I made a visit to the club shop before the press conference on Friday. Um, I was the first person, I think, through the doors when it opened (laughs) because I had to get to work. Yeah, so we took a little bit of the money and we spent it on a few items, which, as you said, Ralph very kindly took the time to sign for us. So I think they're great prizes. And they'll go up very nicely on some people's walls or mantelpieces and things like that. So uh, what I've got is I've got a list of all the patrons here. And then I've got the random number generator uh, from the Internet. Ooh, nice. if you've heard of that thing set up and I'm going to randomly generate a number and then I will count down the list as to where that person is. And that person will win the prize. I mean, this is leading edge stuff. <laughs> so I'm going to press generate now. And while it counts, Ben, do you want to say what the first prize that I'm I'm pulling out? Absolutely. Here
3: is? Well, I think we should go straight in with the big one, Adam. So let's do the signed Southampton home shirt. OK, so the signed Southampton
2: home shirt is going to Daniel Crouch. Excellent. Well done, Daniel. Daniel Crouch. Thank you very much for your support, Daniel. You are going to get that shirt. Ben is arranging the postage. Are you writing these down? Yeah, I am.
3: I am. And I will um, get in touch with all the uh, winners afterwards. That's no problem. Right, I'll generate the next number. What's the next prize? So our next prize. What do you reckon, Steve? The pennant or the baseball cap? Cap, I reckon. Yeah, right. It's the baseball cap.
2: Okay. it is going to... Hang on, I've got to calm down a little way here. This is where you want to put in the uh, the countdown
3: music, isn't it?
2: Okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. It is... Shane
3: DeZilwa. Oh, excellent, Shane. He lives over in uh, Oakland, so excellent, Shane. So Yeah, oh, he does. Oh, well, that's so. going to cost
2: us in <laughs> nice Sorry, Shane, that. you haven't <laughs> won. That's fine. You, if, it's a really, if it means that much to you and you can move
3: back <laughs> to the UK or for, to the UK, that would be much That's great. We'll sort it out. So, Shane over in Oakland in California. That's brilliant. That's you a nice... Charges poster. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll give it a go, eh? Right, and then the last one then, Adam. So, the, uh, right, the Saints okay. pennant. So, it's a Saints pennant that's okay. been signed by Ralph Hasenhutl. That is going to Glenn Hansen. Glenn Hansen, fantastic. I think Glenn's up in Norway, so that'll make that even more exciting as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we might be out uh, basking on the street at this rate, I think, but uh, excellent. So, Glenn up in Norway.
2: Bankrupted Total Saints (laughs) (laughs)
3: podcast. There we go. So, no, fantastic. Well, thanks for doing that, Adam, and uh, congratulations to all of you. So, as mentioned, I'll be in touch to sort postal addresses wherever you are in the world, and we'll get the uh, items sent out to you as soon as possible. Right. Secondly, the TSP Prediction League. So, it's been an incredibly tight, race between Steve and Adam which uh, came all the way down to the final game Um, eventually the table in reverse order after Angus Gunn sort of uh, pretty much cost Adam Leach the title but we didn't score three anyway did we Adam but uh, look in third place it was me with 19 points second was Adam Leach with 24 points the Liverpool of Total Saints podcast and uh, (laughs) one point ahead of him Steve Grant 25 points so Steve many many congratulations how do you feel
1: Oh, delighted. It's been a been a long, hard effort, long, hard slog.
3: It's been on the cards for a while, though. I think you've dragged you, you, you it out a little bit. To be fair, you've always had your nose in front. Well,
1: I had that little run where I got, I think, three correct scores in a row, didn't I? Yeah. And I think that, that kind of uh, sealed the deal, mostly.
3: Exactly. Well, you know what they say, the hardest thing is defending your title, isn't it? So next season, you're going to be uh, yep. out there to be shot at, I think. Yep there we go so excellent and uh, lastly then it's the uh, first ever Total Saints podcast fantasy Premier League now unlike the prediction league where we have zero trophies or prizes there is actually somewhere in the house here a plastic trophy with a uh, little badge on it that says it's a Total Saints podcast fantasy Premier League champion. so uh, who's going to be taking home the uh, the trophy I'll do it I in certainly this...
2: hope it's not somebody abroad or the Total <laughs> Saints podcast accounting team are going to be having a meltdown do
3: you, do you know the funny thing is I'm pretty sure and uh, we'll say the name in a minute but I'm pretty sure the guy lives in Canada so this is going <laughs> to cost us 14 fortune. <laughs>
1: It's it's fine, fine. we'll we'll just get some sponsorship in, we'll we'll name the sponsor as being, I don't know, TPS Holdings Limited, (laughs) and we'll
3: we'll inject millions of pounds. Yeah, exactly, we could do that as a new platform that's just about to launch, or something like that, so yeah, excellent. So Right, in similar style then, third place is Tom Bryan with 2,404 points, in second place is Mike Hopkins with 2,443 points, and in first place... (laughs) Bob Brown with 2,447 points. So, again, an incredibly tight race. It's come all the way down to the end of the season. Just four points in it. Yeah, exactly. So... A big, big congratulations to Magic 68, which was Bob's team on winning our TSP FPL, our first ever champion. And as I say, I'm pretty sure, I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Bob lives over in Canada. So yeah, but hopefully it's going to uh, get uh, across there nice and safely to you, Bob. But if you can get in touch with me, Bob, either via a direct message, I think you're on Twitter. But if not, send an email to podcast at yahoo.com and then we'll get the trophy sent out to you. But thanks to all of you for uh, playing FPL League this season. We will do it again next season. Obviously, I couldn't wrap it up without quickly reminding everyone how long down adam leach finished in that um Uh, so just quickly then our final positions third was adam with 1769 points 147th, Adam. so yeah that's a good you know that's something Um, how many Uh, 156 i think oh there's some people who should be really embarrassed then (laughs) (laughs) um second was myself 39th position 2143 points and uh it's a double for mr steve grant so first I know, yeah, he's clapping, are you clapping yourself there, Steve? Um, that's, oh, I that's was clapping. clapping Steve. Oh, that's alright then, I was <laughs> yeah. gonna say this No, it wasn't late. me, it was Steve. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Steve was, uh, first in that, the three of us, 2,176 points and, uh, 29th position overall. Well done, Steve.
1: Yeah, not bad. That's it's it's been an uncharacteristically good year for fantasy league for me.
3: Yeah,
1: usually I'll do the usual thing of sort of taking a big interest for the first three or four weeks, and then it all goes horribly wrong, and I just think I've oh, it, I can't be bothered with this anymore, and <laughs> That's just what write, I did just from write. <laughs>
3: Well, that's it for TSP this season. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. Before we go, there are quite a few thank yous that I and we need to provide. Um, Firstly, from myself, just to say a big thank you to Steve and Adam for their regular time and opinions this season. As Adam said, all three of us give up our time for for nothing to put this together, and I know um, you guys appreciate it, but certainly I also appreciate Adam and uh, Steve giving up their time to speak to us. So thanks, chaps. Thank you to all of the guests we've had on as well. From all three of us, to our two partner sites, saintsworld.co.uk, and Robbie it was a pleasure to meet you Robbie before the uh, game against Huddersfield and SaintsArchive.com. so thanks to Will and Leon as well a massive thank you to Simon and James Hallett and happy hot tubs for sponsoring TSP this season to the Southampton FC media lads particularly for allowing us to use the clips of Ralph's post-match interviews throughout the last few months as well thanks to Jordan and the team down there also to our wonderful TSP patrons as we mentioned earlier all around the world your support has meant so much and we look forward to continuing that going forward. Lastly, it's all of you, our listeners, really. This pod would be nothing without you. The commitment to downloading it, providing feedback, positive and constructive, and just generally making sure that the hours put into it and producing TSP is worth it. You make it all worthwhile. And Prior to this, I think we're on around about 90,000 listens now ever since the podcast started, so it's brilliant to be closing in on 100,000. And uh, as I say, thank you to all of you and anyone else we've missed off. One way or another, we'll be back again next season, I promise. Um, I had someone talking to me at St Mary's who said it was essential listening on the way up to uh, London on his commute every day. So Dave, I promise you, one way or another, we will be back for one more season and uh, we'll sort out who and when and everything like that. We may even pop the odd pod out between now and pre-season if the opportunity is there. Before we go, Adam, I guess it would just be nice to sort of summarise your um, TSP season, really.
2: Oh well, summarize Saints' this season or the TSP season. I'm i not think the in
3: Saints TSP.
2: Yeah, yeah, TSP. Well, look, it's been it's been brilliant again. I mean, when you first approached me with the idea two years ago, virtually, I didn't honestly think we'd be 75 episodes. Have sponsors. Have patrons. Have, patrons, have Thousands of listens every week—it's brilliant, and it's for me uh, personally—it's been a real kind of lease of life. Because you—you know—in my job, I appreciate some people looking and go, it's a dream job. But I've been doing it a long time, and it's like you know, any job—you can get a bit stale and things like that. But the TSP and 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 the community of people around it Mm. have really given me a new lease of life. I think the last couple of years with the paper and things like that—you—you generally get stuck in. Most of the comments you get are fairly negative (laughs) most of the time. And sorry about those, Sarah. I I, I will stop. (laughs) i will stop (laughs) it's fairly unrewarding sometimes but actually the podcast i think because people get to know you a little bit more Mm. um it's been great and you know the feedback's great all massively appreciate the number of people that i speak to that i come across that listen to it who will quote something that one of the three of us has said just been amazing I've, i've thoroughly enjoyed the season and i guess i i would thank as well um obviously Steve, I think having him on every week this this year has been fantastic and I know a lot of people tell me how much they enjoy um Steve's contributions. And also, of course, I think that the you thanked us while well, we're doing a bit of a TSP loving, need to thank you as well. You are the brains, as I always say, and the brawn behind the podcast <laughs> because you are ultimately the one that sacrifices the most time and hours and puts the most into this. The so TSP is mainly you and then we just turn up and do our thing for whatever that's worth, but you—you um, you are Mr TSP, so uh, yeah, and it's been fantastic. So thank you very much to everybody for for allowing me to be part of it.
3: Yeah, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. And just finally, then, Steve, your plans for the summer? Obviously, England are playing Holland, so I assume it won't be long until you're packing your luggage and heading off to watch that.
1: Yeah, I'm off to uh, off to Portugal for for a week, so I'll combine having a vaguely proper holiday with three games of football. I managed to get some tickets for the for the other semi-final as well. Mm-hmm. For some reason, the Portuguese don't seem to be remotely interested in watching their own team, um, which seems very strange. Um, so, yeah, I've got Portugal, Switzerland on the Wednesday and then England, Holland on the Thursday and hopefully a final. Um, on the Sunday, depending on how we get on, but obviously the uh, those Champions League semi-finals last week have probably done some uh, serious damage to our hopes of uh, progressing in that. I suspect,
3: unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Well, enjoy and uh, safe travels, and uh, yeah, yeah, thanks for all your efforts this season. But uh, look, just to summarise, then it's been quite a season at Saint Mary's. They often are. Enjoy the break, recharge the batteries, and let's start it all again in August. Eh? Until then, keep loving the Saints and keep marching in.